Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I sure hope that you have gotten some of this rain that has been making its way all across Texas. I know it's probably not enough, but hey, at this time of year, we'll take what we can get and pray that more is on the way. Thanks so much for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas wheat farmers are now seeing the impacts of a late freeze last month. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. For Texas High Plains wheat farmers, there's a special AgriLife Field Day coming up this week. That includes the opportunity to learn about two new varieties. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. All of agriculture production in Central Texas remains focused on the weather. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We had two major cold blasts hit the Texas wheat crop this winter, and farmers are now seeing the results. Jessica Domel has more. Texas wheat harvest is underway in parts of Texas, and we're now seeing the impacts that a late freeze had on some wheat late last month. Darby Campsey, Director of Communications and Producer Relations for the Texas Wheat Producers Board and Association, joins us with more. I was recently over in Munster, and it really will just depend on the stage that the wheat was in. But for example, the wheat there was right between the flowering and heading stage, and that is a really very susceptible time for wheat. The threshold is 32 degrees at two hours, and so we certainly saw it get below there for an extended amount of time in several areas of the state. And so I do think we will see some pockets of freeze damage. As far as I know, we're not looking at widespread damage. Our agronomists right now are saying it's mostly localized. That was Darby Campsey for Texas Wheat Producers. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. China has been buying massive amounts of U.S. sorghum recently, and that has driven up prices and should result in more sorghum acreage here in Texas this year. Tim Lust is CEO of National Sorghum Producers in Lubbock. When we talk about the last year's crop, Uh, The announcements this week, for all practical purposes, pretty well mean it's all sold. So, um, you know, in terms of supply that is that is around right now to, uh, you know, to go uh, there, there just really isn't much. Uh, We're pretty well sold the supplies that are there. Um, And, um, you know, certainly there's always a little in the pipeline and there's 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 always a little. But uh, for the vast majority of of our crop last year, it's been sold. And uh, so we're really talking now about the 21 crop 
that, uh, of course, is in the ground from Central Texas South and is yet to go on the ground from uh, Texas Panhandle up through through South Dakota. So, um, you know, we've already started selling, you know, already started selling that, uh, probably have 10% of that crop already pre-sold. Um, and, um, you know, I expect that we will continue to see strong sales there. And, you know, we, we do see an increase in acres. Uh, USDA's uh, estimate was about an 18% increase in acres. And so we certainly see an increase in acres. But, um, you know, we also still continue to see very strong demand uh, going into this uh, 21 crop. So that is, uh, you know, is really solid. And Law says that's reflected in the very strong basis levels. Even as the board has gone up, a lot of times as we see the board of trade go up and and approach these $5 numbers for, for new crop or $6 numbers or, or wherever we're at, you know, you see basis tend to really back off. And, and while we've seen basis back off a little bit from some really high numbers uh, 30 or 40 days ago, you know, those basis levels on sorghum are still at historical high numbers, um, um, you know, certainly in terms of what we've seen for new crop sorghum bids uh, previously. Tim Lust with National Sorghum Producers in Lubbock. There's a field day for Texas High Plains farmers this week that will showcase the findings of local wheat research. James Hunt tells more about it from Amarillo. Coming up on Thursday of this week, the annual High Plains Wheat Plot Tour will be presented by Texas A&M AgriLife. The free two-hour event begins at 9 a.m. and will take place near Bushland at the Conservation and Production Laboratory operated by AgriLife and USDA. A highlight of the Wheat Plot Tour is the opportunity to get some up-close education about the performance and attributes of the different varieties of winter wheat that are grown in our area. Anybody that's there, walk around, we'll look at the varieties, there'll be signs up, there'll be some characteristics written on those signs of each variety, the new and the old. Just a one-on-one with whoever is there. Uh, Very informal time. That's Texas A&M AgriLife wheat breeder Jackie Rudd, one of the presenters on the program for Thursday's event. He'll be providing an update on the AgriLife wheat breeding program, including discussion of two new locally developed varieties that should be commercially available for planting this fall. Dr. Rudd says one thing he wants farmers to know about these new varieties, known as TAM-115 and TAM-205, is that they produce grain that offers good bread baking quality. That is extremely important to our producers. They sometimes think maybe they don't get paid for quality, but they really do because the mills and the bakers actually source out our wheat now. Thursday's event will also feature a presentation on the role that drones are playing in wheat breeding. Also on the agenda, discussion of wheat disease issues, a report on local wheat variety trials, and an update from the Texas Wheat Producers Board. And a quick note here, for those who cannot attend the event in person, Texas Wheat Producers is providing a Facebook Live broadcast. For more information, contact AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. West Texas has seen some rain over the past few days, but there's still a huge moisture deficit as planting gets underway. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Lubbock area farmer to get an update. We go to Eddie Griffiths in Lubbock right now to get an update on the crop situation and livestock situation out in the South Plains of West Texas. And uh, Eddie, uh, 
pre-irrigation on cotton fields is occurring uh, uh, in your area right now. Uh, what else is going on in preparation for uh, the planting season? Well, Tom, as you mentioned, lots of irrigation going out right now in preparation for this upcoming crop, whether it be cotton, sorghum, and corn. And problem still is lack of moisture in there. You're trying to build that profile up to get healthy germination. Also, we've been dealing with the cool temperatures. You're seeing a few more planters go into the field, but not nearly as many as you'd see at this time of year, just simply because of lack of moisture and then also the uh, cool temperatures and uh, trying to alleviate any type of seedling disease. With the price of of seed, you generally just want to go in there and try to get this done one time and, and hopefully get good germination and get a good stand out there. But we need two things right now. We need rainfall and we need uh, warmer temperatures. Yeah, to your point about the lack of uh, moisture, according to uh, USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service, they're saying that uh, when it comes to topsoil moisture in your region of the state, 19% a very short, 38% short, only 42% is adequate for topsoil. And when it comes to subsoil moisture in your region, there's uh, about uh, 75% either very short or short in your area. So you definitely need some precipitation to get the crops going. Yeah, and we're not just talking about half inch to an inch at this point. I mean, we're going to need substantially more to get the moisture up to the top for good germination. The seeds that have been planted to this point are pretty much sprouting, and then there's nothing there for it to uh, keep it alive unless it's irrigated, and then you add insult to injury with the cooler temperatures, trying to put that cold water on that seed, and then uh, not getting adequate heat to uh, get proper germination. With the exceptional extreme drought in your region, uh, quickly, how are the livestock and pastures doing right now? Livestock and pastures right now are, are really short. A lot of producers that are getting rid of livestock just simply because they do not have anything left to feed them. We had some wheat that was harvested for hay, and that's going for a premium. Where cattle prices are right now, you can't really afford to be going out there and paying $160, $70 a bale for hay. So producers making decisions on that front on whether or not to keep their livestock, try to hang on or just simply get rid of them. All right, Eddie, thanks a lot for your report today. Thank you, Tom. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are two new cases of chronic wasting disease in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have those details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And dogs who begin their lives in shelters can have a tough time adjusting to life in a new home. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. 
We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. When a dog starts their life in a shelter, it can make for a tough adjustment when they get into a new home. However, there are ways to make that training easier. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has some advice. Behavior of shelter puppies is critical to successfully adopting these puppies into a good forever home. Unfortunately, many puppies at shelters have no socialization and training, and this makes training more difficult, especially if they are older puppies or even adults. Negative reinforcement has been shown to be ineffective in training dogs, but positive reinforcement has been shown to be effective. The question is, which kind of positive reinforcement works the best? A study in the Journal of Vet Behavior investigated three positive reinforcement methods, including food reward only, clicker reinforcement followed by food reward, and praise reinforcement followed by food reward. A previous study showed positive reinforcement, which included offering a reward for a correct response, is associated with the development of fewer unwanted behaviors in dogs. Reward-based training seems comfortable with most owners, and clicker training has also become popular. Clickers and praise are often considered to work as a bridge to give immediate feedback that an animal's response was correct and gives the trainer time to reach for a food reward. However, the study found that puppies did not do better with clicker training compared to positive reinforcement of food alone. Food is a primary enforcer and others are all secondary enforcers. Also food, not stroking or praise, decreased the time to respond to a command early in training. So the use of food rewards for training puppies is encouraged and other secondary enforcer methods may be used later in life. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are two new cases of chronic wasting disease here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Animal Health Commission and Texas Parks and Wildlife Department are now investigating two new cases of chronic wasting disease in Texas. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that affects cervids like deer, elk, and moose. According to the Texas Animal Health Commission, deer breeding facilities in Matagorda and Mason counties have both had deer test positive for the disease. It is the first time CWD has been confirmed in either county. Both deer breeding facilities reportedly received deer from a Uvalde County facility that had a positive case in late March. Postmortem tissue samples were submitted by the deer breeders in Matagorda and Mason counties. That's when the CWD was confirmed by the National Veterinary Services Lab in Ames, Iowa. Parks and Wildlife and the Animal Health Commission have taken action to secure animals at both facilities, and both agencies are conducting additional investigations. Other breeding facilities and release sites that have received deer from these facilities or shipped to them over the past five years have been contacted by state officials. At this time, those facilities are not able to move or release cervids. The Animal Health Commission reports they are working with Parks and Wildlife to determine the extent of the disease within all of the impacted facilities. And they are evaluating what risk, if any, this poses to the free-ranging deer population in Texas. Chronic wasting disease was first found in Texas in 2012 in a free-ranging mule deer near the Texas-New Mexico border. Since then, it's been found in 228 captive and free-ranging cervids in 13 Texas counties. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
We saw a mixed trade to kick off the week on Monday in the cattle market. However, we did see the cotton market move higher. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Monday was a mixed trading day to kick off the week in our livestock and grain markets. We ended up closing mixed for live cattle, mostly higher on feeder cattle. We'll start with the live cattle prices. June live cattle up a nickel, 115.35. The August down 40 cents, 118.42. October live cattle up 15 at 123.40. But as we mentioned, mostly higher on feeder cattle. May feeders up 37 cents, 137.92. August up $1.60, 152.75. September feeder cattle up $1.55 at 154.22. Cash fed cattle market all quiet as we usually see on a Monday. No sales to report. The show list look to be mixed this week. We're higher in Kansas, somewhat lower in Nebraska and Colorado, and we are looking at a lower show list here in Texas. We wrapped up last week selling just over 10,000 head of cash-fed cattle here in Texas. Those cattle brought 119 to 120 and a quarter. Boxed beef prices higher again on Monday. Choice up 210 at 31904. Select up 417, 297.36. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When here cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Jody Fry from Producers and Cargyle San Angelo about the sale he had on Thursday. Jody? How many noses did you count? I believe 1,165 head was today's total. Compared with last week, calling these calves and yearlings, kind of $1 to $3 lower. Had several lesser quality, uh, kind of number one and a half, number two quality calves on offer, and they were sure selling lower. Slaughter bulls sold about steady. Slaughter cows calling those at least $1 to $3 lower. Most declined coming on those thinner flesh, those lightweight uh, slaughter cows. Had several sets of those ranch cow-calf pairs. They were on offer today, steady to lower. Uh, dry weather in our trade area continues. We're seeing several of these cows and lightweight calves just all signs of a drought steer uh, nothing's changed especially to our west and southwest of san angelo better quality steers four to six hundred pounds from 125 all the way up to a high of 165 but mostly 130 to 150 six to eight hundred pound steers 110 to 140 mostly 120 to 130 better quality heifer calves four to six hundred pounds 110 to a high of 145 mostly 120 to 130 slaughter cows average to high yielding from 50 to 62 did have several of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 63 to a high of 69. Thinner or lower yielding type cows, still some of those from 35 to 49. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding 70 to 88. Several of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 91 to a high of 99.
1.89. Bred cows and heavy bred two-year-olds had some of those young heavy breads, young to good age cows, from 800 to 975 per head. Cow-calf pairs, average to better quality, had several groups of those pairs, anywhere from 900 to a high of 1325. Jody, tell these folks in Walking the Pins country how to get a hold of you. You bet. 325-653-3371. That'll get you to the office. Or my mobile would be 325-234-7895. Jody, thanks so much for being a part of Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host. My name's Larry Marble. Good day. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close slightly lower. June down seven cents, 108.65. July hogs down a nickel, 108.95. Class three milk was lower. May milk down four cents, 18.84. June milk down 42 at 18.94 a hundredweight. The cotton market finished mixed with the old crop lower, new crop higher. It looks like traders' eyes are focusing on the forecast here in Texas. Of course, we did get some rain across most of Texas last week. Got some pretty good rain in many areas of West Texas. However, it was not as much as traders were expecting, so that helped to boost our new crop prices. And they will continue to watch the weather as we move through planting season out on the high plains. We close with July cotton down 11, 82.32, October up 68 points, 82.29. The December contract up 49 points, closing at 81.71. The corn market was lower. The nearbys regaining some of the big losses we had last week. Of course, we dropped 88 cents on that July contract last week. It finished Monday up eight and three quarters, six fifty two and a half. September corn up three and a half, five sixty six and a half. The December contract was lower. It was down five and a half, five thirty seven and a quarter. These rains we're getting all across Texas, and if you move on north, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, much of the high plains getting beneficial rain, and that pushes wheat prices lower, both hard and soft wheat, ending in negative territory Monday. July Kansas City wheat down five and a half, six fifty-two and a quarter. July Chicago wheat down seven and a half, six ninety-nine and three quarters. In the energy markets, June natural gas up fifteen cents, three twelve. June crude oil up 98 cents at 66.35 a barrel. The financial markets were lower. The Dow down 61 points, 34,320. The Nasdaq down 77, 13,352. The S&P 500 down 13 at 4,160. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. See you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.